Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. I'm kicking it off Teacher Appreciation Week, which starts May 2nd. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Susan Marcial. I am so excited to interview Susan today. I worked with her at Wapahu Intermediate in Hawaii years ago, um, but it was the most incredible teaching experience that I ever had. And this is the first time that we are chatting in many years. So it's a great reunion and I'm really excited. So thank you for being on our show. No, thank you for asking me to be here. It's so nice to be able to reconnect with you after all these years. Yes, definitely. So my first question is anything from your childhood or upbringing that maybe gave you inklings of how you would be going into teaching or going into education or what kind of inspired you to go into that direction? You know, it's so funny because when I saw that question, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I really thought I was going to be a nurse. Okay. I volunteered in a hospital. I had like 10,000 hours of volunteer time and I was going to be a nurse. And then I started working there and it was like, oh my God, I hate math and science. How am I going to be a nurse mm-hmm. if I, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, I can't do that. Um, I was good with the blood, but I wasn't good with math and science. And then of course, people kind of get on your nerves when they're sick. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and so then um, I took a break from college for a semester and I actually went traveling. Mm-hmm. I went to the east coast um up and down the east coast and then i went to europe for a month and then i came back to the west coast and at that point in time i was like i really liked history you know when you go to like italy and you see the Colosseum, Mm -hmm. and then you see some ruins and they're like bc right it was what what is what was bc again before what you know and and so then um then I started thinking I really liked history Mm. and if I could bring that kind of um you know just that excitement to the classroom about learning world history Hawaiian history oh my gosh then I then I think I could really enjoy teaching but when I and when I got into it I'm like oh my gosh I remember making little tests for my brothers and sisters Mm. you know being the school teacher and doing things when I was a kid so I'm like oh maybe this is is kind of natural for me after all yeah yeah that's really cool I definitely connect to that because when I was younger I used to play teacher all the time um but with the history aspect like I always had my my dad's a history buff and we would just have conversations about history and geography all the time and then I started thinking I really like history oh, I have these great conversations with my dad. Like it's actually something I can talk about and my joy comes out. And so I kind of fell into it that way too. That's funny. Exactly. That's exactly what I think. And so, you know, I, I did settle on history because of that. And then it was, oh, I really liked Hawaiian history. And so mm-hmm. it would have been seventh grade or 10th grade here. 
And then it was, oh, okay, well, I don't know about you, but for me, when I get to know my kids, I want to make sure that I get to know them and I support them. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing the, for high school, oh, I had a kid in basketball. I go to a basketball game. I had a kid softball. I go to, you know, every single game, right? Football, not every game, but at least one or two for their season. Yeah. You know, see their baseball games. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to have a life. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when it it hit you, I'm a teacher, no life. (laughs) Yeah, no life, you know? And so I said, well, if I go to intermediate school, then you don't have all the proms, the dances, Mm -hmm. all the sports. And then it's during this, usually during the school day, Mm -hmm. not many at nighttime. And so then when I got to that age, it was like, oh, I actually like this age. That's true. It's like trying to control hormones, right? You're just, you know, the hormone controller. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It is. I haven't taught middle school in forever, like since actually I was teaching in Hawaii and um, I would say I don't miss it completely, but what I do miss is they're the funniest human beings. Like it is the funniest age. Like I remember in a day feeling all the emotions, like upset, sad, like I'm like going through puberty with them. And then like, but I laughed my butt off like all the time. They're so funny. Yes. And they still are. They're (laughs) The things that will go through your classroom in a day, I just, I should actually hit record for them (laughs) because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and I'm always telling them, you know, you guys are so excited to get older and to like be an adult. I said, I have former students that, that write me back and tell me, miss, you're right. Adulting sucks. (laughs) It does. You don't listen to me. Yes. It's so true. That's so funny. Well, kind of in that same, um, you know, area that we're talking about. So the next question I had is like your first or like early teaching experiences. If you have any great stories or any like aha moments or even things that were like, oh my gosh, that was the hardest thing ever. (laughs) Well, you know, um, I grew up in Kailua, which is on the windward side of the island of Oahu. And they're a very middle-class neighborhood, very, Mm -hmm. you know, very middle-class And so when I got the teaching assignment to go to Waipahu, I really didn't know much about this side other than I had some cousins on this side, but, you know, you know, coming here was a huge shock Mm -hmm. because you're looking at multi-generational family homes that have like 20 people in a home. Mm -hmm. Um, The socioeconomic status of them is pretty low. Mm -hmm. Um, The image of Waipahu is very bad too. And Mm -hmm. when I came in, this is back in 89, we had huge gang problems. Oh, really? And so, yes, it was huge. And so you have this middle-class Japanese girl getting into (laughs) Filipino, Samoan territory Mm -hmm. in Waipahu. And it was a huge mind shift Mm -hmm. for just middle-class to what is more lower, Mm -hmm. lower economic, you know, and I just felt so pained for them mm-hmm. you know that they were happy when you baked a cake and you brought a cake to school because they had mm-hmm. a tree you know or it was just it was just such a different time and um I remember one of the within the first month I didn't even realize I had two gang members that were sitting next to each other mm. and all of a sudden they both stood up and started slugging it out in my oh my class. gosh I know. And it was this huge, like, and that was your first time. Was that your first First, time seeing? Yes. It was the first one. And it was like, what's going on? 
but you know, the other kids jumped in and pulled them apart. And then later on, I find out that they had gotten into a fight on the last day of school Mm. the year before. And so then here, I I had no clue that I had set them, sat them next to each other. Yeah. It was also the time when crystal meth was really Mm. pretty, you know, prevalent, or it was really on the rise. Mm -hmm. And so I had no idea what an ice baby was. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. We had no clue. And so you'd have like these kids that would just kind of be spastic all over the place. Right. But sweet. But I had one kid lock himself in my closet. Oh my gosh. You know, and wow. I'm and so all the kids are like, Miss, so and so went into the closet, is locked in yeah. the closet. So, okay, well, let's go on a field trip, you know, outside and go explore the school. <laughs> right. And then, right. then the, you know, we're all standing there looking at the door and he busts open the door and he's like, Here I am. You know, it's like, oh, are you gonna come with us? You know, <laughs> but then later on you find out that he's an ice baby, you know, and it's like, Oh, this is some of those behaviors. Yeah. So sad to like see that. And you care so much for them and you're like, that's what they have to go through. Yeah. Hmm. Oh my gosh. I didn't know any of this. (laughs) Um, so just for our listeners, I started teaching at Waipahu Intermediate in 2006, um, to 2011. And actually my first fight that I've ever had to get a kind of break up or be part of was, um, at Waipahu in my classroom. And it was really like low key. I don't, I don't think there were gangs at that time and they were seventh graders and it was just more like them wrestling with each other. But to me, I never saw that before. And so I was like, oh my gosh, is this going to get like really, you know, bad. And like, luckily the same thing, the kids were great. They knew how to like kind of pull the kids apart and kind of calm them down. And I felt like there was a sense of like protection of the community and it was, it wasn't that bad, but it was like my first time seeing that as well. Um, But just like connecting with, so my experience of coming from Philadelphia to Waikahu (laughs) was definitely, I had major culture shock and I'm like, I am a outsider, like a complete outsider. And I would ride the bus to school. (laughs) So I was like, literally like, token white teacher on the bus (laughs) grading my papers on the back of the bus and it was hilarious that I was just like wow and I just I I almost felt like I wanted to be that person who was like I want to just take it all in like I want to learn I want to be you know accepted in this community I know I'm not going to be right away like obviously I'm going to be looked at you know in a certain way and it was hard like the first I would say at least the first like year or two And then I, you know, started really learning about the kids and their background and their culture. And just like you talked about, when you make an effort to go to things, support them in their activities and their sports, and then I got involved with the dance crew, they see you then as someone who cares about them. Yes. And I read it, I read an article years ago about you can be Mensa as smart as whatever you could have your doctor from Harvard in education, whatever, and you can give them all the facts. If you don't actually get to know them and show you care, they don't care. They're not going to listen to you. Exactly. Yeah. You have to just get to know them as people and no matter how different you are, um, they'll say like that teacher loves me. They care about me. They're looking out for me. And so I, I want to follow her. Like, I want to listen to her. I want to f- make sure I'm being respectful. Um, uh, and you know, that's what the kids loved about you, right? Because my kids would say, you, of course, 
you know, a lot of the times I had kids that you had. Be- I have a gifted, yeah, the gifted program. Yes, the gifted, yeah. the gifted program, right? And so my kids would be like, oh, I'm going to Miss Warner's class next, right? And they'd okay. get all excited or they just oh. came back from your class. And so you kind of get a feel when, the, because we had a lot of new teachers, right? Yeah, that, we did. Yeah. And so you knew which teachers cared, right? Because yeah. my kids would get all excited, like, oh, Miss Warner told us this and Miss Warner, you know, Miss Warner yeah, says yeah. that or, you know, um, Oh, I'm going, I have history next. Oh, who's your teacher? Miss Warner. And they Aww. get excited. Yeah. Right. And so, and then that they were such a special group that you even came back to yeah. see and graduate. Yeah. Right? yeah. That says a lot about you as a person. Yeah. You know, and I think they were very, very touched by that as well. That was one of the most probably emotional times leaving. And then coming back um, and seeing, you know, a whole group of them at their graduation. And thank you for organizing all of that and getting me tickets to be able to go and us communicating about the graduation. Um, I looked to that. That was the last time I was there uh, in Hawaii. And I looked to that all the time. I'm like, oh, it was such a special moment. And it was that it's always it stays with me. Of like, oh, and when you really get to know kids and you build a relationship with them, it's just like, it's such a gift. Like it just means so much. And you just carry that with you. Like, yes. but I do this because I really like getting to know kids and being them, being there for them. When I was in school, I was very wallflower kept to myself, never felt connected with my teachers. And oh, it's so weird. Yeah. Maybe that was part of like why I wanted to get into it, but I just never felt that. I didn't feel like they really knew me as a person. I didn't feel seen like in school. And that was kind of my, you know, motivation is that I want kids to feel seen in school. You yes. know, they should know that someone notices them and is looking out for them. So that's yes. kind of just been my, my part of the journey too. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that you didn't have like a teacher that connected to you just you in know, sixth I mean, grade, but not in middle or high school. I just yeah, do no, not I've like it. <laughs> several teachers that have made a real impact in my life throughout oh. the whole time. And even college, I That's had some good, you know, instructors. And yeah, I think it makes a huge difference, you know, because then you have someone that, oh, okay, I want to kind of be like that. Or, yeah. and then of course you have the other ones that you're like, okay, I'm not going to be like yeah. that. You know? <laughs> Which is also still very useful. Yes. You know, I mean, that's another learning experience, you know? And so I think that's still really good. Even if you yeah. had those that you didn't want or you yeah. didn't particularly care for, at least you could build on what you didn't want to be. Exactly. Yeah. So I have like a sixth grade teacher that comes to mind. That was amazing. My language arts teacher. And I did actually have really great professors. I, the school I went to for um, teaching Westchester University in Pennsylvania um, had just awesome professors. I like, I just loved going to school there. So I did have, it all came through in college. <laughs> and then- Well, that's kind of, because you found your passion too. Yeah. So my next uh, question is kind of moving to where we're at now and, you know, a couple years, like two years ago, but kind of getting to where we're at now with teaching through the pandemic, which I'm sure- Many teachers, if they do listen to this, will be able to connect to some of our stories as we share. So anything you want, stories, again, highlights, 
struggles or even like aha moments? <laughs> aha moment. The aha moment was um, truly, I am too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been teaching um, since 1989. So this is my 32nd year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I want to say like I was pretty lucky throughout my career. Um, one of my, my second principal, I was one of the few teachers that was lucky enough to get computers in my classroom. Mm. I was one of the first wow. because he recognized that my kids were planning activities and we just couldn't do it on, you know, like a typewriter and, you know, or just writing everything and Xeroxing it. And so he gave us computers really early so that we could do all of our stuff. And so you know, I thought I was pretty good at computers and spreadsheets and this and that. But then when it came to this wonderful pandemic, it was like, mm-hmm. boy, I know nothing, you know, like, okay, I need to like, get into this Google classroom that we all have, we, you know, I had to do Jamboard, I had to do whatever, I mean, anything, and everything we could. And it was like, really, do I really want to learn this? <laughs> you know, like, but we have to it's a lot. <laughs> yes. And, and that's the thing. This, this group of kids is, are so technologically literate mm-hmm. and they fool around with stuff. And so they know how to do stuff. They're TikToking. They're, mm-hmm. you know, not, not everything is positive, but you know, like they're doing all kinds of stuff. They can edit things like, like with oh, no so problem. Yeah. Right. It's ridiculous. They can, they don't really know how to Google stuff. Like they, no, their search is not good. <laughs> no, their searches are horrible. Right. But you know, um, but when this pandemic hit and we needed to really, you know, beef up our game, it was like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Right. Um, and then of course you also have those internet connectivity problems with, you know, because mm-hmm. we live in the poor areas. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we didn't have kids that were totally connected all the mm-hmm. time. So I just noticed that it really separated the haves and the have nots. Yeah. Yeah. Which for me was very painful because we are in a lower, a lower yeah. class place. You know, the, the weird thing about Waipahu is that um, the kids have money for weird stuff. Mm. So I don't, I don't know if you recognize that, but they have better phones than we do. Oh yeah, for sure. They have the and new phone every time. Phones and sneakers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now bags. Yeah. Like I have kids coming in with Louis Vuitton bags. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, like hoping it's a knockoff. Yeah, me <laughs> too. Right. And, but I'm like thinking it's probably not, yeah. you know, so it's kind of, it's a weird, it's a very weird community. They don't have money, but their parents will work two or three jobs to give mm. you the best Apple phone that you can get, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, or the best high tops, right? The best mm-hmm. Nike, whatever, or whatever is the more popular one now, right? But um, yeah, and then, but yet they don't have money to buy good internet connection at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they don't have a computer because their computer is their telephone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so you can't do everything on a phone. Yeah. And so that's what a lot of us learned, you know, mm-hmm. and then of course you have the ones that can't afford anything that mm-hmm. have to get a pocket Wi-Fi from us mm-hmm. um, and then get a Chromebook or get an iPad or something. And it, it, yeah, it's just, it's really the, the haves and the have nots. Yeah. And I feel like in this situation, I, we might've had something through Comcast or Verizon out here in the Philadelphia area, but 
internet should have been given to everyone for free, like during exactly. all of this, because you, you had to do it to function as a school and to function as a student. Exactly. And you, that should have been, everyone should get a computer and everyone should have internet. And that should have been something that was, you know, taken care of right away. Oh yeah. yeah. And that was, you know, I, I find it um, baffling. I don't know about you, but like I've, I've traveled and we went to Kyoto several years ago. I want to say it was 2018, went to Kyoto. Um, Kyoto has Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi mm-hmm. in the whole city. Wow. Uh, how is it that a city of that many millions of people yeah. can have a Waipahu that has 45,000 can't? Right. <laughs> I mean, right, it's like, right. um, start to really invest in the infrastructure yes. because we know that technology is it. And yeah. that's going to be the single most, you know, to me, it's going to define people. Yeah. You know, and um, and it's going to it, change school. So exactly. we already have a huge divide um, with public and private. public, yes. private, but even public schools across the country. And I think you're hitting on the technology and the internet, it's not like we come out of COVID and we're going to go back to exactly what we're doing. Like we are taking this with us. And so that's going to be more of a divide if like that infrastructure isn't there. Yeah. 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 So that's a huge problem. So that one, yeah, the technology was really a thing, you know, for us, but technology, if, if it's used good, you know, like it's wonderful to be able to post your assignments. Mm-hmm. And so I don't need to use the Xerox machine as much and kill right. trees. Right. You know, um, it, there's so much positive from it and, and you can now even videotape what you're doing. Yep. And then when the kids don't understand something mm-hmm. now you can, they can look at it again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so they can, they, then it jogs their memory or whatever, mm-hmm. right. They, they can use with their notes. And so I think it's a real positive thing if mm-hmm. we can get it to more people or, yeah. or you know, get home for them. And I found that with posting your website, with your assignments, grades, what have you, and then like videos, it puts more ownership on the students. So like, I would always it's say like, absolutely. oh, you're absent. I would always get this and I still get it with even high schoolers. And they're like, um, did you do anything in class yesterday? I'm like, no, we just sat around, you know, yes. made, <laughs> TikTok, made TikTok videos. Like I didn't teach history. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, like go to my website. You can see exactly what we did. We've been doing this for like a year and a half now. Like they still ask that, but you put ownership on them. Like I post everything. You got it go there one-stop shop. You can get everything you need. And then you come to me and I will explain things. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, and, it, and that's what makes it hilarious too, because some of those kids are always like, Oh no, I didn't get it. Or you didn't say that. Or, you know, and now it's like, of course they tell the parents, right. Oh no, she didn't grade it. She didn't do this. I'm like, um, you didn't even do the assignment. It's right there in it's Google. Right there. Yeah. As I'm like, it'll even say when you turned it in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now everything's documented. You exactly. Can, they really can't lie. Like you just exactly. really can't because it's all documented on Google Classroom. That's what's great about it. It's all in real time, too. Exactly. So <laughs> if they turn in something late, I could look at the timestamp of when you edit it. Or if they're working with a partner and they're both yes. on the same document and they're like, Oh yeah, we did this equally together. And I'm like, I see one student on this document. You're not getting credit. (laughs) It's like, you can't lie anymore. Yes, You cannot. And that's what I tell them. I said, you know, if you're going to be late, just tell me you're going to be late. You know, 
like, don't try and lie to me. Like you make some excuse up that, you know, you, you didn't get it or whatever. I'm like, just, just fess up to it because everything can be documented now and everything is. And so you might as well just tell me the truth. You yeah. Just say yeah. you were too lazy to do it last night <laughs> yeah. and you have more important things to do, like go and try and do another TikTok challenge. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay, okay, Miss Marcial, we'll do that instead. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so funny. So my last um, just question is just kind of like where you're at now in teaching. And we did talk a little bit before this podcast episode that you are retiring this year. So congratulations. That's so exciting. So you could kind of just talk about your end of journey now at teaching, but any ideas that you have or that you'd like to impart on teachers that are still in this, you know, game? (laughs) You know, I mean, I give everybody credit for for coming through this. I mean, well, we're not totally out of the woods yet, especially in Hawaii. Um, But, you know, I just totally admire teachers at this time Mm -hmm. because especially a beginning teacher, you're just trying to figure Mm -hmm. things out. And if you can make it through these first two years with this darn pandemic, Mm -hmm. then you'll, you'll be okay. I mean, we've talked about the toughest times that we've had. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, as teachers, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. and especially the young ones. If you're living on your own, you know, you're you're not going to have that. And so we needed to tell people. Yeah. Um, and then this pandemic has just been like just a wrecking ball, right, for mm-hmm. everybody. And I think the only thing that really has kept each kept us sane. Um, but you know, I just I just have this feeling that the you know, there's so much money that came down from the federal government. Yes. All kinds of stuff. And I just want our department of education, our board of education to mm-hmm. use it in the right way to level the playing field for yes. everybody. Yes. You know, um, those millions and millions of dollars should not be stuck up at the, the top level. Mm-mm. It needs to get filtered down to the schools and the communities. Yeah get really what the community needs for their kids. Um, because, you know, we're, we're looking at test scores, we're taking some of our um, tests right now. And we're finding that, you know, if you were a good kid before you, you've, you're going to be fine out of this pandemic. Yeah. But if you were struggling, it's now even worse. Yeah. You know, so reading scores are way down for those, but yet they're okay for the kids that have those concerned parents that have the parents that are going to invest in their child's education, or at least show interest in it. Yeah. Right. And so for the other ones that were distance learning and the parents were off at the beach swimming the whole time with their kids and not really even checking into school, you know, we have that problem. Yeah. You know, so we need to somehow um, try and level it for them or not. They're never going to come out of this, you know, in a nice way. Yeah. There's a huge learning gap. And I also think about like developmentally, like yes. little kids, but like you teach middle school, like that's such a huge developmental stage, like, like social, yeah. emotional development. And there is that, that gap now. And yes. I think a lot is put on the teachers to try to figure it out, but we need the training and we need PD and we, and we need resources and yes. there definitely needs to be more counselors in school. Oh, yeah. um, and we needed them before the pandemic, but I think I'm hoping a silver lining from this is to really shake it up and say, no, we need this. Like kids need yes. to have a counselor on hand and not one for a whole school. No, yeah. That's no. too much for one counselor. Yes. No. I mean, we have, um, I want to say five or six counselors and they're, 
I, you know, I feel for them. We've got, yeah. this year we've got only 11, um, 50 students, but we'll, we'll be up to like 1350 in a couple of years. And this is just two grades, right? Yeah. That's so, huge. Um, yeah. And, but we have six counselors, yeah. but you know, social emotional learning to me is like a huge thing. I mean, we mm-hmm. really need to be there for our kids or not. They're not going to be able to learn no matter what. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, I, I feel for those that are having a lot of emotional problems right now. Um, this pandemic has exacerbated some of these kids, you know, I mean, it's the, they're, they just are not able to cope. There's a lot that are not able to cope. They don't have families that can help them cope. Mm-hmm. And so how do you expect them to learn anything if they're not supported at home? Mm-hmm. And what's more important is your curriculum more important or their emotional health. And I lean on the side of emotional health. Yeah, me too. You know? And so, yeah. And that's how I'm feeling with education now. Mm -hmm. If they're not able to cope with all of this and to be supported at home, Mm -hmm. then how are they going to learn? Yeah. And I think our job as teachers is to, to support them, but also to find their passion yes. so that they're going to be excited and they're going to want to come to school and you can push them in that direction and encourage them. And so really, if your passion is not in math and science or English and social studies, then find their passion in music Mm -hmm. and, you know, go that route and then teach them English through music. Yes. Yeah. You know, and we'll teach them math through PE because there's a lot of statistics in PE or exactly. But this idea of like really nurturing a student's interest and their passion and their skill set and then driving that and then seeing how other skills connect to it, like mathematical skills, scientific thinking, writing, reading, all of that blends in. And it's almost like it's project based, like you're almost like working on your own project throughout, like, and I, th- I think, especially by the time you get to high school, you should be doing this too. Yes. I still feel like there's too much of, you have to check boxes. You have to get this done to be on your transcript for whatever. And half the time they're in school and they're bored or they're just not yeah. interested because they're yeah. forced to do something they don't want to do. Yep. I totally, I totally agree with that. You know, that um, and we don't learn in silos, you know, when you're out right. there in the real world, it's not, yeah. oh, this is English. This is, you know, right. um, I, I like real world kind of situations um, with my leadership class and us planning activities, you know, they all have a budget and I tell them, okay, so this is how you need to figure out how to do this, right? Like mm-hmm. how to, how you're going to spend your money. If I give you $500 for your activity and for just prizes, do you want one prize for $500? Do you want two prizes for $250? You want, you know, or do you want 50 prizes for $10? Or, you know, you got to figure it out. You got to set your priorities and then let's go shopping, right? That kind of deal. And, um, but, you know, when you find your passion, that's kind of the same thing, right? You're going to throw your $500 at one thing, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's just a very interesting time in education. And with this pandemic, you've had to be, you were forced to kind of think out, I want to say out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you have to kind of make it more exciting because you're mm-hmm. online yes. and, you know, we've got dynamic people that can do that, but it's exhausting. So you yeah. got to make sure you pay your 
people. Yes. You got to take care of them. Um, love on teachers, love on all these, you know, police and fire and, yeah. you know, the first responders and your, your yeah. doctors and your nurses. And so, and I felt like we were front line. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I did too. You know, so we got to do that. And, oh, there's another thing I was, we always talk about it. I don't know about your schools, but they're always pushing college, college, college. Yes. Very big. Yeah. Yes. But you know, let's face it. Not every kid is going to go to college. Mm. And a lot of these, these, these regular just workers, these technical, I don't know. Well, I don't know what you even call them. Blue collar, whatever. They make more than teachers. The trades make so much and they're losing people. They need people. They need people. Right. I mean, you hear kids graduating college. With all this student not loan debt, no, yes. and they have all the student loan debt, and the market is saturated. They're not able to get a job, yes. and so you have kids that are living with their parents into their thirties. Yes. And I totally believe in trade programs trade. in yes. high school for all schools, and to really foster that. If like a student really has a interest in like some kind of like electrician or whatever that may be they can hone in on that. And by the time they're done high school, they can go into like a, um, an apprenticeship and then get a job and start making really good money and support themselves and thrive as an adult in their twenties. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I think, um, worries me when everybody constantly pushes kids to college, Yeah, you know, um, because there's a lot of stuff out there. And so we're just talking about that Pearl Harbor is one of our biggest employers Our mm-hmm. you know, defense, mm-hmm. great department of defense, and they have a lot of trade positions open. Mm. And, you know, yeah, a lot of our kids are going to be pushed out of that market thinking that I got to go to college. I got to go to college. Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to work that way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And they so could have a- that opportunity if their schools were building a culture around like going into a trade is just as equal as going to college. Exactly. And you could actually make more money. Yeah. <laughs> And not be in debt. (laughs) Exactly. Not be in debt. And you can actually make more money. And while you're young, they, a lot of them can work tons of overtime. Yeah. Right. And so you can save up for that time when you retire that you don't have to worry about money. Yeah. So it's, it's a very interesting time in education. I hope people really um, look at it and think about it. And so a huge problem and um, it's going to, you know, education has constantly been cropped on in terms of trying to solve the world's problems, right? Yeah. But before they never taught sex education, but now you have to because parents are not going to teach it. Right mm-hmm. now, you're going to have you were going to have to teach a lot more mm-hmm. because of all of this. You yeah. know, so that's that's the downside of of teaching in a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, sorry, but okay. um, yeah, and of course you know, because some of the parents were actually home when their kids were learning online, they Mm. also have an opinion about how things were done while we were teaching online. Yes. You know, and not really knowing. um, It's behind the scenes, everything too, just like what you see on a zoom screen, that 40 minutes of a lesson or how students are to decide not to turn their camera on or however that goes. That's not all of the training and all exactly. of the preparation and building websites and putting all this digital yes. work in like hours and hours. I mean, I remember summer 2020, 
it wasn't like a summer vacation. Like it was no. preparing for fall 2020. Yes. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah, it, it was, was horrible. It was the the summer that I have worked the whole entire summer that was just having to prepare for my job when this was supposed to be a summer break where like, it wasn't because I was working another job at like a summer camp or I wasn't in grad school. It's like, no, I literally was working all summer to just prepare for my job. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. And you know, that's the other thing. A good teacher usually works through the summer. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right? You're looking at your lessons, you're tweaking them. You're saying, okay, this didn't work. And so let's redo this. But this past the, um, that summer of 2020 was by far the worst. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to like, it was pretty much going to be a full-time job. And, and if you were a good teacher, which most people, you know, we, we have the 10% knucklehead factor, just like everything. <laughs> right. We talk every, about yeah. every industry people, does that, right. You're 10% but, um, you know, the good teachers, they work their mm-hmm. butts off to prepare for that year mm-hmm. because we just had no idea what was going to come. Right. And of course they changed everything every other day. Yeah. The more yeah. so we to be prepared. Yeah. So it's just been um, a very challenging time. And, you know, God bless the teachers, seriously, because we need all the help. We, we need, and we, and we, we need, need those everything. <laughs> I know we need those good ones to, to still want to be in it and like keep, yes. you know, innovating and, and being there for the, yes. the students moving forward. And I kept coming back to this word grace a lot last year, particularly. And it, this year, but give the students grace, which I did. And I'm like, I want to give you grace, like, and all of that. And I felt such peace in that because there was so much like teachers tend to be like very, it has to be this way. And we get a little like anxious and frustrated Mm -hmm. when things like are altered. And then we had to throw that all out the window because everything was altered, like you said, every day. And there was kind of a peace with that because you're like, well, we're just going to see what happens. And so we gave ourselves grace and we gave the kids grace. And we're like, I said at the beginning of fall 2020, this is the grand experiment. Let's see how this goes, you know, and just kind of like made light of it. But I didn't feel like we got grace from others. Like, like you said, it's community society or other people who have their opinions about education. If anything, it kind of went the other way (laughs) and it was like more criticism. Oh yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a huge driving factor of, you know, I mean, if you're not valued, if you don't have that grace on you, you know, from up above, right. From the community, from, you know, admin, from your support staff, from the community, from society in general, I mean, from the department of education, from to the, to the nation, I mean, it was, you know, you're going to have it tough and we really did have it tough. You know, I'd say, okay, yeah, my luau plate full. What do you want to take off of it? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's going to be the the other thing. And I think people need to ask the teachers, what do you want on that luau plate? Yes. What is the thing that matters? Right, right. Because a lot of times they think they're the experts now because they sit in an office and they can look at numbers, but they don't see or they don't hear the people in the trenches. Yeah. And so I think they need to go to their, their experts, you know, they, they need to look and Hey, there's those teachers that are down there that, yeah. you know, we need to like pick their brains. What's yeah. going to work. Absolutely. I've like been saying this for a while that 
teachers and administration, school boards need to see themselves as a team, you know, and so you really need to go to the people that care. And, and I always say you, if you're not going to care, then we don't need you. Yeah. You know, you need to care about the kids. Yeah. You know, and the, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of us have had those administrators that haven't care, you know, as teachers, you also need to be cared for by your admin, right. your support staff. And so, you know, it's, it's a feeding, it's a food chain, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we get fed because the kids are doing good. And mm-hmm. then the admin needs to recognize that and vice versa, yes. you know? So when you have a great idea and you go to your admin and go, Hey, I'd like to try this. And they're mm-hmm. like, yes, go for it. Here's the support. Mm-hmm. Then that feels good. And then, you know, when it's successful then it even feels better. So that's, what's got to happen. You know, Absolutely. that admin's got to care. The superintendent's got to care about their principals. The principals yeah. got to care about their teachers. The teachers got to care about their kids. Yep. And that, you know, that's the whole thing. Yeah. It's a team effort, right? Exactly. Like you have to think in that way and not just, I'm giving you directive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, this is such a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking with you today. Oh, thank you, Jackie. I really, and it's so nice to see you because I'm know. like, oh, I mean, I only see you in pictures on Facebook or social media or whatever, yeah. but it's always so good to see you because so oh you. you look like exactly the same. I'm like, why did <laughs> <laughs> I still, I got lots of grades that came in over COVID. Well, me so. too, but yeah, everybody did. If they didn't, then they weren't doing something right. <laughs> no, no. We all have our battle wounds that we're showing through COVID. So we can all connect in that way. <laughs> Definitely. Well, hopefully I'll see you in person again. Um, yeah. A couple of years, I definitely get to try to get out to Hawaii again. I would love to visit and I know you'll be retired. So we'll have to get together for lunch. Um, and I'm so happy for your retirement. Congratulations. You. Enjoy it. <laughs> oh, that's so big. I'm so excited. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for everyone listening to the teacher's story and to Susan Marcio's story. This was great, very enlightening and such a great reunion. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Jackie. Bye. Bye.